0: International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered training organisation number 31352. Today, I'd like to introduce Lydia Jackson. Lydia is a level three dressage coach and coach educator, riding and training horses to Grand Prix. She's also produced five horses to three star eventing and represented Australia twice as a young rider in eventing. How are you today, Lydia? I'm well, thanks. Great. Good, well, good, good. Lydia, we usually start off asking people about an inspirational quote that they've had or used. I think the latest one I have is from I borrowed it from Charlotte and it's um, short range wind gold medal. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually waiting for a hamburger, I think, when she said that, you know, when she was up in Queensland and it caused quite a lot yes. of laughs, you know, and correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right when I'm riding, I think about it a lot and teaching too. Yes, yes. We had a couple of instructors, you know, from here go over to the Charlotte Clinic and, you know, every now and then you hear one of the instructors here saying, you know, go, go, or short rains win gold medals. <laughs> and you just go, yep, yep. Well, that was a good investment to take them over for professional development. Yeah. <laughs> Starting with horses, can you tell me about your start with horses? Because I think you were one of the fortunate ones that came from a horse family, weren't you? Yes, my mum and dad both rode. Dad, after
1: he met mum, it was a bit like, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. And that happened with my husband too. And so, yeah, I had a little pony that I used to do everything with and then I got a nice show pony that was very successful in the show ring. And then I was fortunate enough to be given... Sort of older horses, the owners had done you know had done all they had could for them, and yeah, I' was given some schoolmasters like that a show jumping horse called Santo from Nikki Brown and a very successful Galloway called Winsbear that I actually rode at the Nationals one year. And then I just went from showing to show jumping to eventing, and then eventing at the time was, we were the best in Australia. Eventing was, you know, the Australians were the best at eventing and so we I went up to New South Wales and based myself up there
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to get to the Olympics basically. What would you say? You know, there's a lot of people that don't have a start with horses, don't come from a horsey family. What would you say to them about your advantages? Because it's not I mean, you haven't had a lot of advantages. You've had to move away from your family, away from your support network to another state because where you were didn't have even though you had. You came from a horse background. You didn't have everything going for you, did you?
1: No, not at all. Like you know, Tasmania is a space base in a lot of respects, but you know we are small, and we just don't have we don't have the venues or the competition for especially eventing. You know, the dressage is difficult too in some respects because there's no competition. I'm think I'm only Grand Prix horse in the state at the moment, and you know it's sort of hard keeping the level up when you're not competing and don't have someone, another
0: person ahead of you. Mm, mm. All right. Now, you had a family business then. Did you actually make a career with horses? Was it just expected? Did you do another career first? What What happened there? Um, so throughout
1: school, it was very much that I had to get good grades to go to university. And then my father bought a hotel, mm-hmm. a pub, and that was – very successful business, and I always worked as a waitress from the age of 14, 15, so I always had to work in the hospitality industry, and so when Dad bought the hotel, it was sort of another, if the horses didn't work out, I would go back and run the hotel, Okay. so then the need wasn't to go to university as such, which is why I went down the coaching path, like, you know, I did my level one at 19, and then you know, then I was always pushing myself further
0: with my coaching education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had a backup plan just in case the the horse industry or horse career didn't work out. Okay. And
1: I find that a lot of my client, my, you know, my young girls, I try and, steer them away from a riding career if they don't have a backup because I find they get really depressed
0: and despondent about it if they're riding, you know, if they don't have that backup. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what would you you recommend that they do something full-time as well as the horses, do something part-time as well as the horses? I think it's important to get an education Mm
1: -hmm. and to see where it goes. I think by the time you're in your early 20s, you're going to know if you're going to be able to make it within the horse industry, Mm -hmm. I would think. That's what I feel.
0: And you should be studying or at least be doing something else to have a backup plan. Okay. And financially as well, yeah, to pay for your horses. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, because that's the case in Australia. It may not be the case in overseas, you know, in different places where you can go and work with horses from leaving school. What character traits do you think people need to have a career with horses? You know, what What are you looking for? I think they need to be extremely passionate about the horse
1: is an athlete and you have to treat your horses as such and just be very fastidious about things like every stone has to be unturned to be successful. I guess it, what you're talking about, are you talking about being successful as a riding, like as a competition rider or just
0: someone within the horse industry, whether to be like a groom or... Well, I, I think there's a lot of jobs in the horse industry. You know, there's... It's not just absolutely uh, there's there's a lot you know from being working in a saddlery to going on to being a vet to being an instructor to yes. being being a professional rider but the character traits to one to work in the horse industry sometimes i think they're a little bit different to working in other industries and i just wanted to get your take on that and and i agree yeah, to I do think- with, yeah to do with the education as well because If you start off and say, well, I just want to work with horses and I'm quite happy to just go around to the local stables and clean the stables, that's not really a career. It's just a job. So getting the education, I think, is important, but the education in the field that you want to go down, you know, and there's a lot of complementary jobs that you can have with horses.
1: Yeah. I think it's basically the character traits is determination and hard work. Yep basically, and that you have a passion and and, and and you want to be outdoors, you know, that's another thing. Like I know I can't see in my office. If I have to sit in the office and do book work for longer than a couple of hours, I'm demented.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when it's a lovely day outside and there's other people outside and you can see yeah. stuff going on. I know I have the same problem. Okay. All right, now excelling in the career, not just Working in the career, but going on and excelling, you know, and you come in contact with a lot of top riders, top coaches. What makes them different? So, what are the keys that they need? I think they're a little bit self-centered and very need to be
1: very goal-focused. And mm-hmm. the the being self-centered isn't being that you don't care and look after others. It's a, a very one-set mind if that's what you want to do, and also you have to have an empathy and a passion for the horses like I think of Chris Burton he came to our where I was in the stable yard on Brankston as a young boy and his work ethic was exceptional and his empathy with the horses was exceptional at a very young age and he was very receptive to listening to advice and he was a sponge he just soaked up everything mm-hmm. and I look at him now and it's no surprise where he is and he'd have Yeah, his first horse was very good on the flat, very good dressed horse, and he trained hard and he worked hard and gained a lot of advice from a lot of different people.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website, again, is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. All right. Other people, people who've influenced you on your journey, who would that be? Um, Well, my mum and dad. Mm -hmm. Nikki
1: Brown, Nicole Brown, who's a show jump instructor here. And then it would be Roger Fitzhardinge, George Sanner, and Prue and Craig Barrett, and Heath Ryan, really. And since then, it's... Still, Roger, I have lessons and coached from Roger, guitarting Charlotte Pedersen, and I train with Brianna Burgess in Germany and when she comes here to Australia.
0: yep. What about horses that have been influential, horses that have changed your career? You know, you talked about a couple of horses early, but the horses you've got now, are horses that you think have been pivotal in your career? Well, in the beginning, it was definitely,
1: um, oh, there's so many, Gwyneth. <laughs> So all the ones I mentioned at the beginning and yep. then my first successful, my best successful horse was really Dutch Treat. She We bred her. She mm-hmm. was by Dutchman out of a thoroughbred mare. And I think she was ahead of her time. And she was exceptional dressage horse, very good, bold cross-country horse and was very, very clean show jumping and had a beautiful shape over the fence. So definitely her. And then when my husband and I came back from overseas, we – we were trying to buy property in Sydney in New South Wales and it just was too expensive. So we came back to Tasmania to set up a family and a life here. And then it just sort of was just hard to keep eventing mm-hmm. from here. I had to you know, go away for so many months and so and then my mum was breeding dressage horses. So my first good dressage horse was Precision. Yep. And then mum had been lucky enough to purchase Snowy River Blackwood and he took me to Grand Prix and then I was able to train another two horses to Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I lost a horse at the dressage festival. He died from an, a reaction to an antibiotic and his name was Flash Az, and he was Treaty's grandfather, so Dutch Treats' okay. grandson. Yep. And he'd just come second in the advanced oh. to Mary Hannah mm-hmm. and he was a very, very special
0: horse. Okay. okay. It was a big loss losing him. Yes. Yes, I can, I can hear it in your voice even now, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, that was three, four years ago now. Okay. Now, you people that you coach, think about a problem that is a common problem, not specifically any one rider, but a common problem that you see that you'd like to correct. We're trying to give people who are listening a bit more knowledge. So what's something that you see as a common problem that you'd be able to fix as well? Well, I'm not sure how well I fix
1: it, but I think the common problem is people aren't brave. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you hear Charlotte saying, be brave, be brave, go, go. They don't, they're not brave. They don't go.
0: What do you Um, think brings that on? Do you think we're too risk averse these days? A little bit. And I find Australia in particular is a lot like that. Mm.
1: Very much so. I think the feeling of... Actually having your horse really in front of your leg and really going is a little bit disconcerting to some people, especially with these bigger, you know, the better breeding warm bloods that we're now getting. It's quite a powerful and an almost a little bit out of control feeling for a moment or two until you sort of can relax and trust that that's how it's supposed to be. Mm. Like, I don't mean that you're flying around the arena. It's that, you know, when the horse has to go and I think it's a little bit like how a plane
0: takes off. It's that feeling. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So I do struggle a lot with, you know, I've got some riders that are are brave and they're so exciting and enjoyable to teach. Mm -hmm. And the ones that aren't brave, the ones that know they're not brave, they're easy to help. The ones that don't think they're not brave Mm -hmm. are the ones that are very difficult.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And and as far as fixing
0: that problem?
1: Um, Sports psychology, I often send some away to... We've got a very good sports psychologist here in Hobart um, that I send some to. I've, you know, done a lot of research and I feel I'm quite good at that sort of help. And I always, you know, suggest a lot of them go to Tarnie too mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. those extra help. And really just put them in positions where they
0: gain more confidence. Okay. And do you think more riding just that little bit more energy and now a little bit more and a little bit more? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's I do I say. Push yourself to where you feel a little bit like, wow, this is bit out there. Yep. And then just ride that. So just ride that. Just pu- ride that pushing the boundaries. Stress, yep. And then push it a little bit more and push it a little bit more yeah. each day. Yeah. But, you know, even myself, I find, I think I'm going forward and then I look at the video and go, oh, my God, Lydia, what are no. you doing? <laughs>
0: Get
1: on with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And having someone on the ground every day with you is really important, I think, too. You know, that's why the European riders, the riders that can have help every day on the ground are going to be more advanced than someone that doesn't get regular help.
0: Mm, mm. All right. Now, as a judge, is there something that you see as a judge, and we're talking about things that can be fixed on the day, you know, that you could say something to someone and say, well, the next test you ride, do this. Is there something there you can give us a tip on? One is to breathe because when you're nervous and don't breathe, your brain doesn't work properly and then you
1: either forget your test or not write a movement correctly. Mm -hmm. I would just say, like at the last minute, you you know, once you're at the competition, there's not much you can change. I would just say breathe, don't override, relax and know your test inside out.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. All right, now running your family business, do you still have much to do with that now with the adjustment and training? Yes, so we purchased,
1: my husband and I purchased the business off my mum and dad and um, we
0: live here at the farm and so, yeah, we run the business. Well, I do, yeah. Yep. How many horses do you have in work or how many horses do you have on the property? Uh, There's about 35 horses on the property and I have four horses in work. Okay. And do you have staff that help you with that? Yes, very much. Very need my good staff. <laughs> okay. Can you just talk a little bit about them, the jobs that they do? And we're thinking about people who are looking to work in the horse industry, just to have a bit of an understanding of the type of work and the type of jobs that they do.
1: So I have um, Keisha that she's a uni student and doing ag science mm-hmm. and she does my feed out. So to me if the feeding out the horses morning and night is very important. It's probably the most important job here. Mm-hmm. And so she does that and she also, you know, keeps the hay in order and the feed room in order and, you know, when when we need new things and so forth. And then I have Steph who basically just brings my horses in and grooms for me. So bringing them in, putting them on the equissage, grooming them, tacking them up, cooling them down, you know, hosing them and icing them and then putting them away. Yep. So I'm very fastidious about those horses and I, you know, with three young children and the business, four horses is really the maximum that I can do well. After that, it just becomes a manufacturing line and you can't pay attention to the little things. I should have changed that bit on that horse today or you know, oh, bummer, I forgot to put that cream on that horse's leg or Mm -hmm.
0: you're too busy in your brain, you can't give each horse the time that they need. Yes, yes. All right. Now, how often do you travel to the mainland to compete, to coach, to judge? Certainly, I'm no
1: longer, uh, what do you call it, up-to-date judge because it was too difficult in Tasmania because basically I had to judge all my pupils. So <laughs> yes. um, I, at the time when I started doing my judging, I could fast-track to D mm. level, which was I found easy. And I had some, you know, Carolyn, it was amazing. And um, a few other people like that were very helpful to make that happen. Um, and I had the desire to become an international judge, but then I had to make a choice between furthering my coaching and doing my level three because that was very expensive and time-consuming. So I decided to do that rather than the judging. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll go out to the mainland, I'll look, once a year now, it was after my horse died over there, it took me a while to get my momentum back to go over. Mm-hmm. I went to Bonneo last year to just do the competition there. And this year I really had the choice of going to Europe or going to the Nationals, and I didn't feel that my horses at the time we're going to be super competitive in their respective levels, so I decided to go
0: to Germany. But in reflection, they're going so well, they probably. <laughs> okay. When you do go to the mainland, how long does it take? Tell me a bit about the trip and trip with the horses. Because for a while there, you were doing um, it more often, I, weren't you? You know, you were you were going over yeah, more often. Yeah, like frequently. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. That was before the children and, yep. you know, now with three children, it does take a bit more management and it costs more money. So, mm, mm. yeah, and I feel back to that, I'm sorry to sort of go off track a little bit, but yeah. if I know that I'm getting 67% into St George, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm getting 67, 68% here, I, because we always get mainland judges in, I would... You know, generally, you you would get that percentage on the mainland. Yes, so I don't feel that I need to go over there.
0: Okay, as so much it's more that the, the eventing. Yeah. the judges are coming to you.
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. Okay. And we try and get you know really good A level and you know international judges. Yep. yep, and you know they're always going and you know they're judging every weekend. So yes, you would expect it would be comparable, and normally yep. it is. You know, like Mandy Parsons, she's a power rider that I coach. She's just come second at the national yesterday behind yep. Sharon Davis, which that's her first mainland competition. Mm-hmm. And she was doing, you know, getting 71% here. Yeah. You would expect that she would go and do that.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. All right then. Um, now, have you got a book that you can recommend for our listeners? I just don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I,
1: maybe the, I, I recently read Free Rain, Mary Hannah. Yep. I enjoyed that. But I think just being on the internet and being able to access to those training lessons and so forth from international instructors, I find that mm-hmm. as just as invaluable.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Tell me about your future. What do you plan to do? You've talked a little bit about it. You've got a couple of horses that you'd like to, to – will you tell us? what your plans are?
1: Um,
0: just to um,
1: – I need to sell a couple of horses. Yep. Because I would like to go to Germany and try over there uh-huh. for a period of time. So, yeah, like I'd like to go over and spend six months in Germany and six months here. Okay. And that's that's my goal. Um, mm-hmm. If it takes me to – you know, I've got a young horse here that Brianna and I both think that could be successful in the young world, young horse. Mm-hmm championships, if it's so forth that we get there, that's great. But if it, we don't, it doesn't matter. I just want
0: to train beautiful horses. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, that's a pretty good goal. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today? Basically, to try and be brave. Okay. And
1: focus on your position and how you interact with the horse. And I think that you've got to treat the horse as an athlete and recognize that some days He's going to build muscle or, or, and that each day, you are training and building on what you've done the day before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it <laughs> certainly does. Now, Lydia, people, how can people contact you? On my mobile phone, mm-hmm. which is
1: zero four one nine four one seven zero eight five, or by our website,
0: which is kingstonadjustment dot com dot au. Okay, and we'll leave we'll leave your contact details on the show notes at horsechats dot com slash Lydia Jackson as well. All right, thanks very much for talking to us today. It's been great talking to you. Very interesting about how you run your horses, run your business. You know, away a little bit from the mainland and the main competition, and also talking about the, the, the your staff and the people who work for you and uh, and what they do. That was good thanks very much no problem thanks glennis okay bye bye if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe if you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests then please contact us through horsechats.com and while you're online have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com registered training organization 31352